Welcome back to AgWatch's listeners. You've got Andrew Whitelaw, also known as Wheat Watcher, and myself, Matt Dalgleish, also known as Meat Watcher. We're back just, oh, what about, uh, is it about eight hours away from another impending lockdown in Victoria? Um, that's going to be exciting for us all for a seven-day lockdown, but we've got a very special guest on, uh, a co-livestock leader with, uh, with myself, of course. Andrew likes to mention the livestock leaders, of course. We've got, I, was, um, I, was about to, I was about to mention it. I'll say I'm an illustrious company here. You know, a, a rare breed of livestock leader. Two of them in the same place at once. So. Very lucky, man. We're not going to show you the uh, secret handshake, of course. We can't do that uh, on pain of, of uh, you know, severe punishment. But um, we might give you a few insights as we go. We've got Andy Jacob. Uh, on, on the line, well known uh, around uh, quite a few of the livestock circles, both in the west and in the east. Um, but Andy, we might give you a, a thanks for coming on. We might give you a quick chance to, to give us a quick rundown of actually who you are and what you do. Thanks, Maddie. And um, yeah, thanks for the opportunity. I'm not sure how much I can add and, uh, to, to this, but. Um, or bring to the table. I mean, you've had some uh, you've had some pretty cool guests on over the last uh, few episodes, and and uh, I'm in pretty good company to get this opportunity. Um, look, I, I moved over to uh, Victoria probably about 18 months ago now from the west. I'd, I'd spent the majority of my life in WA, um, but in in recent times, uh, I was the president, or so I'm now ex president of the um, Livestock and Rural Transporters Association of WA. So that put me in. Uh, in a sort of that, that media platform, that's where I've got a little bit of exposure and, and was involved around that time um, when LiveX was sort of going through some some struggles again. And uh, we made a decision. Um, I actually made the decision to, to pack up and and, uh, and move east. So here we are. So that's, um, so that's a, oh, you just saying, so you, you're mainly a, 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 well, a transport operator really is what you call yourself. You've got a transport company that you run? Yeah, I'm owner operator. So I, um, I've been back in livestock um, uh, transport for probably about eight years now. Um, after leaving school, did a little bit of it, but um, tried pretty hard to wash the diesel out of my veins and, and go and do some other things. But um, eight years ago, I, the, I have obviously have a, a massive passion for this and a love for what we do. Um, and so I so said, that's it. And uh, so just, yeah, just single operator. And, and, uh, and so, so where, yeah. whereabouts in WA were you? Over the years, Andrew, I, I moved around a, a, a fair bit, but the last um, probably four or five years was based out of Perth. So 80% of what I used to do was live export, um, sheep and cattle. Uh, cattle were seasonal. That, that was more sort of through the summertime. Um, the boats had, had sort of come down to Fremantle, but through the north, uh, through the, the, the winter time there, they, they'd, they'd, uh, they'd load out of the north. Um, and then sheep were, well, prior to the moratorium, they were sort of all year round. So Perth was uh, Perth was I'm the same as you. You know, I made the I made the flip from from WA to to Victoria. Uh, what what was it that made you change? And was it was it the moratorium itself just making the job less stable, or or what? There's probably a variety of things that were going on that you look at it, and and Maddie, this is probably more to for you to to, to ch chime in here with your statistics around what the flock numbers had uh, were doing for particularly around sheep um, in WA over the last sort of 25 years. There's been um, a, a decline. Um, you, you see, like you even take that Gascoigne region used to be predominantly sheep. Where when I grew up, off we were on a on a station at that stage, and 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 we were wool. Well, that's that's all cattle now. So so there's been a big change there. But um, 
climate change, I think, had a little, well, I don't know, climate change, but it was drier. Um, and so some of those areas that were traditionally um, growing really good, good pasture and were grazing, well, now had an cropping approach meant that your flock nut on your barn, well, they were slow, they were diminishing. And so there was a bit of a change in that. Um, I think my, what, what came to a head was, was LiveX and where LiveX was. And that's when I could see a real struggle if I wanted to stay in the, uh, in the livestock um, cartage, you know, as a livestock carrier. I think, uh, well, I felt that I needed to find somewhere else because the, the opportunities were getting harder and harder to, to keep the truck moving five days a week um, in, in that space. We're always going to have to top it up with other front. And I made a decision that I didn't want to go down that road. Um, I'd been dabbling in it, but it wasn't. I, I feel the truck driver today, you're probably more specialised in what you do. If you're going to do it properly. Go back 25 years ago, you could probably turn your hand half a dozen different uh, forms of freight. Whereas today, um, there's, there's um, I think there's more of a niche if, if you're in... Uh, you know, you, you dedicate yourself to one skill set. Sorry, Mark, you're going to say something there. Yep. So, yeah, Andy. I mean, what you were saying there was quite relevant, I guess, across, you know, WA in particular, across the supply chain. Those disruptions and, and uncertainty around the live export space um, saw quite a few of the supply chain disrupted. But you, you're, you're pretty much a a livestock transporter. You don't do any other kind of cartage work or anything like that. Is that right? At, at the time, Matt, um, I was I was topping topping up my week with with other forms of, of freight, but I think I just uh, bought a new a set of uh, upgraded my crates and and truck uh, to to go and to do what I was doing. So I felt that I'd made a uh, pretty substantial commitment toward um, towards livestock care, and that's what I wanted to do. All. Um, I didn't see the the, um, the benefits in, in having that amount of capital, and, and we're talking a, a lot of money there. You go and buy a brand new truck and crates today, you won't get any change out of nine hundred thousand dollars. So, if you if you spec them up properly, then you know you can't afford to have that stuff sitting in the corner of the yard that you you might use it you know uh, two days a week. Mm. And um, so the decision obviously to move across to the east was a, was a fairly big one. Um, since you've come across, you've still been involved in, in some transport from, from stock moving. We saw a bit coming from west to east this season or just this season gone. I think the number for the whole year uh, for 2020 was 1.9 million, which kind of is, is the most we've seen, I think, on record. Um, you're involved in some of that as well, is that right? Yes, that's right, Matt. Yeah. Um, I know. I noticed that um, a comment there last uh, last week um, that Andrew asked about um, a east to west, but that that's some stud stock will go in that direction. But uh, as far as any volume, it's, um, it, it's this way. And to, yeah, to answer your question, yes, I I, uh, I was involved in that a bit. I'm glad you um, I'm glad you brought it up that that listening to the previous podcast because that's something I'm going to bring up in a second because um, you're you're a fairly unique individual um, which we'll go into in a minute but before we before we come off that that kind of west to east east to west livestock story um, I, I did a piece on it a little while back and we we saw for the first quarter of this year the numbers were still not as strong as last year but still reasonably high and and probably similar numbers to what we saw at the start of 2011 which was really the last time. The 2010-2011 period was the last time we saw lots of animals going west to east. Um, in the inside the last month or so, has that continued? To, are you still seeing big flows, or are that starting to taper off now? 
look, what I've seen in the last couple of months, uh, it has definitely tapered off. It wasn't doing what it was doing leading up to Christmas and, and around that time. Um, and look, a, a lot of what I, anything I, I say and what I'm talking about is really through my own views and, and, and what I think. So there, there's, there may be others out there that will disagree with, with some of my comments, but I believe that, that there was a bit of uh, the, 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 well, the, the rains that New South had um, had a significant impact there, but particularly where I was taking stock to the um, the producers that were buying them were, were were very much in a restock program, and they were they were happy to get any more from wherever they could get. So that certainly had had significant demand um, on on where they where they uh, and bring them in. And, and WA was obviously with the prices and what they were paying um, was very keen on cash in on that. Mm. I mean, the numbers come out monthly, so we'll probably put something out again now. But I was just curious to see what. Um what you're seeing on the ground there. It's always, we like obviously look at the data and the numbers, but it's always good to get a, an on the ground kind of picture. Um, and, and being a, a truck driver as you are, mate, you, you, you ride at the coalface to a degree with all of that um, flow of stock. And so getting back to the podcast, uh, you, and I, you and I had been in touch a few times just regards to some live core reporting I did a while back, but in person we met as Livestock Leaders course and, and you hadn't heard about the Ag Watchers podcast up until then. And and after what spending a couple of days with me, I just kept cajoling you into listening to it, and you eventually relented, Andy. And I heard a rumor that that you binge listened to the whole forty plus episodes. Uh, what was that in one trip over a space of a day or so? Was it? Yes. Um, the day we met and we put a put a face to to a name, you caught me off guard. And um, when you said "g'day, Andy," and off. I felt extremely embarrassed because I didn't know who this bloke was. And then I realised over the, the following 24 hours, the um, I was in the uh, presence of a celebrity. And so uh, coming away from that event, <laughs> I need I need to know who's like a bit more about this fella. And and um, so I think there was 34 episodes or something I managed to get in in, in, in about two and a half days. <laughs> and I got a very good insight as to what you blokes are really all about. Oh geez, oh, I think I think you probably need to get a therapist, Matt. Yeah, Andrew's got some connections into the mental health sector. If it's been um, if it's been damaging to you, Andy, um, he might be able to he might be able to give you a tip to to have a chat and get some counselling done. Or yeah, yeah no, keen, keen, keen to jump in on that, but I did that episode as well, and so I got some good tips out of that episode as well. <laughs> now, just back to the the whole kind of transport livestock kind of situation. So you you pretty much nowadays um, from a, from a day-to-day perspective, you don't have much to do, I would expect, with the LiveX side of the livestock transport. Um, but I guess there's still, you know, pretty pressing animal welfare, you know, concerns you'd have as, a, as an operator there, like I said, at the coalface. Um, what are you seeing um, in terms of, you know, that, that whole, uh, I guess, you know, the, the animal welfare type scenario around more, you know, internal transport across the country are you finding that's becoming a potential issue or a, you know is, is the industry dealing with it in an appropriate manner yeah it's a good question matt um and and look i'll, I'll just take it a step back and, uh, for a second go back to um live x no i i'm not directly involved with that on a daily basis the way i was but i, I still am very passionate uh, about supporting the trade and and believe there's an awful lot of good to come from and and particularly because around the transparency and accountability that was something that um, 
a few of us were very keen to try and promote it out there that that, that really needed to happen. And I'll just put a quick plug in for the, the, the livestock collective around that as to what well, we started as a sheep collective around those two fundamental uh, core values. Now, what I saw LiveX go through um, was, was a bit of a lesson, I believe, in what was next. Not to mention that at one point we were in the transcripts in, in, in Parliament in Canberra there for sheep. They, the, the, there was uh, some, some motivation. Sheep uh, live export shut down first, cattle second, long distance road transport third. So that scared the, the crap out of me. And I, I realised that this, this is very real, how we, how we manage our industry and what we're going forward. So there was... Um, we started, we didn't say, it, it had been going for, for probably 18 months, maybe a couple of years at the stage, uh, spelling animals halfway across. And I'm talking now specifically around that that um, west to east. So we're talking distances of three plus thousand k's um, that, that, uh, that, that spelling became an option. And so we promoted it and, and tried hard. And I'd, I'd be proud to say, I think the industry as a whole has adopted that. And so that's now very common just to see the animals unloaded halfway across. Um, they're put on hay um, and, and given um, in the water, they're obviously given water, but the, uh, there's some the electrolytes are put in there to, to help um, get over a little bit of any dehydration they may be suffering at, at that stage. Now, that, that act alone has had um, a big impact in, in your percentage of body weight loss. So. There's science that's come into around that to support that, uh, which is really good. And I, I think um, the industry should be sort of commended for being on the front foot and um, and taking that that particularly that initiative and other initiatives around in, in showing that animal welfare is is paramount. Yeah, it's crucial. And do you think? And and you're saying from an industry, I guess, from the the leadership side, because. I'd argue, Andy, you're more than you know just a truck driver, and that's not a, that's not a crack at truck driver by any stretch. But you you do a lot above and beyond, I think, than what the average truck driver does. Um, but do you think that you know, and, and as an industry leader, I guess, but do you think that you know industry is trying to go that way, and, and rightly so, to get on the front foot, like you say? Do you think it's cascading down across all of the kind of tra- you know livestock transport operators, or do you think um, there's still more to be done in that space? Uh, I believe there's still more to be done. I I think to be complacent and sit on your laurels and go, we've got it right, is 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 not not quite right. I, I think you always need to be looking and where the way technology has come into ag in the last whatever years, whether you talk five, fifteen, twenty-five, it's um it, it's always evolving and there's always another way of looking at it. So I, I think that there is more we can do. I've got my own personal ideas of some angles that I think we can target for that long distance transport as to how we can in, improve it even more so. Um, but I, 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 I think to be complacent, be the worst thing that, that an industry can do. And after seeing the motivation of the these um, activist groups, and and we're all very well aware of there's there's no there's no ethics or boundaries in how they fight their fight. Um, we need to ensure that we don't expose ourselves um, to anything, which is clearly happened you know, with the with the live X side, but um, more so be transparent and accountable to show that we are the right thing because we we draw that connection back with the um 
the city folk, which we used to we used to used to have, and I think we've we've got a bit of a disconnect now that we um we earn that right back to do what we do and to do it as professionally and as and as well as we do um uh, and and show what what leaders we are on global stage. Mm. I think I think like if you if you look at it from a point of view, of, I know I know a lot of people in probably the eastern states more so uh, have sort of said, well, live export isn't our problem because frankly the, there's not much of it coming from the the east coast. Uh, but I think it's it's about you know that sort of incrementalism, and if you if you sort of give an inch to animal rights activists and you know you use live export of sheep and you and you sacrifice that it's not the end point like the end point isn't removing live sheep and it's like you said it's live sheep export and then cattle export and then you know six steps down the line it's it's the actual processing of animals in australia so it's you know i guess it's not not sit, not resting on your laurels and, and trying to do the right thing all the time and i think look if, if you look at it from a point of view of an animal rights activist it'd be a hell of a lot easier to paint the industry in a bad light you know it doesn't take much but if 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 because you've got to remember that half a lot of the time the animal rights activists are not necessarily using things that are legitimately or ethically correct i.e when they had that uh, fake sheep covered in blood and and used that to represent shearing mm. so well, it's, it's, all the, Andrew, all the you, payment all the payment the, the, the right. alleged the alleged payment Matt. yeah well Remember? sorry the alleged payment of um of some uh, we, 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 you know. we don't want we don't want lawyers contacting us again matt <laughs> yeah we already had that once before um the the alleged the alleged payment of um of offshore people to um you know to or i guess the encouragement of getting footage isn't it really well um, the, 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 the alleged payment matt of multiple times their monthly income for footage mm, yeah all that kind of stuff alleged Andrew, can I can I just jump back in there and 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 your point you made yeah. um, is 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 it's got it's a tip of the eye live experts is sort of the tip of the iceberg. So you drew, you mentioned that someone say here in Victoria, well, why is this why is live X important? Let it go. Um, and and so where I push back on that point and say is that we collaborative is going how how collaborative the industry is. Is going to is going to determine what degree of success ag agriculture has in the future. So, if if you stand together, um, you got it. What I saw around LiveX is we were very we were a lonely soul out there um, to try and defend what we did, and we had farmers and other producers, people from all, all aspects within the, within the our industry that were saying, "Well, you guys go." But what what I believe about this is it's a baby in the bathwater thing. You know, you, if if you've got something that's not right, and I'm not going to sit here and defend the footage. I was as horrified about it as anybody else was. But there's a significant lack of knowledge around live export and what that industry is, and what it, what, what sorry what it is to WA and those that were in, within that supply chain that other aspects of ag, particularly over this side, didn't know. And it's just that lack of knowledge. Um, and so I, I think the success is going to be around how groups join together. That is going to be challenging when you've got different aspects and sectors of agriculture that compete with each other on a daily basis. And you're, in, you're asking them to join together for the greater good, which is their overall survival. 
And so how we manage that going forward is, is going to be a little bit of a challenge. However, I believe it's the key to our success. I think yeah. I, th- I think you're right. Like uh, we're not here to compete, and and you know, sheep in the east versus sheep in the west. Like who cares? Like it's we're all a part of the same industry, whether it's live export or um, or domestic processing. And I guess I guess uh, you know when you look at it the same way, you know, we, we've got these sort of similar issues, often a tangent with with our free trade agreements into the UK where there's a lot of concern from, from UK farmers that will be competing with them. But the reality is that we're living in, in a world where there's enough markets for every piece of meat in the planet. And, and we're not really competing with other farmers anymore. We're just you know, competing with almost with governments to, to reduce reg- regulation and make it easy to trade. So I think you are right. I think we've got to stop as an industry you know, you know, point scoring. Yeah, that's between something, industries. That's something um, I think you made very well there, Andrew. When you when you you know included the the processing side of this, because that's often one that gets touted when people say about the you know the, the, the not requiring live X anymore, or we can move across to this you know kind of idea of a utopian world of just having all box product, and that obviously favours the processes, and and you often see in that state you know the processes will will kind of encourage that narrative. Um, you know, if they're processes that don't also have a live export focus, if they're just you know, domestic processes predominantly, then they're happy for 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 live X to, um, or they they appear to be happy for live X to, to kind of take a hit because um, they can see a, a short term benefit to themselves, I guess. But um, I think you know, Andy, the point you made is an exactly um, accurate one, and Andrew and I speak about it a lot that it's a short end of the wedge, and that you know if you know, if these activists get some success targeting live sheep, then they move to live cattle. And then beyond that, they go to, you know, whether it's, you know, issues around domestic long haul transport of livestock, or if it goes all the way to the processes and the slaughter of animals and what happens on the farm. I think the whole sector's at risk. Um, and we should be, we should be as a, as a United Aid group, uh, showing a united front rather than allowing ourselves to be divided and conquered. And, and I think look, it's an interesting one because yeah. there's, there's a knowledge gap between uh, between the industry and the average Joe out there, and and uh, somebody said to, to us recently, Matt, there's a there's a, there's a big danger in somebody who's got a lot of confidence but no knowledge, and and I think what we what we tend to find is that if you if you look at the you know the average activist, they actually don't have that much knowledge of the industry, whether they're talking about GMOs, chemicals. You know, animal agriculture. They got a lot of confidence in what little they know, uh, but in in agriculture, we actually but know it, a lot. Andrew, you're absolutely 100 right there because an example when when the height of this uh, our issues were going on in the end of 17, I was at the dinner party in Perth. There was there were nine people around the table. Now. My wife had gagged me from talking about live export because that's all I used to on about at the time at this before we went in. We've gone in, sure enough, the topic came up. I'm in the fetal position in the corner of the room with my thumb in my mouth rocking back and forward because I'm not allowed to talk. After about five minutes, she let me off the leash and she said, right, you got one minute. I had one minute and all I did was went blur of fact <laughs> uh, and it was fact around what was going on. I shut up at the end of the minute 
and I let the conversation carry on around these nine people. Now, I've got to add, these nine guys, not one of them was ag-based. They were all city people, and, and none of them had come from the land or had any connection with the land. The end of 10 minutes, they went from this industry needs to be shut down to this is wrong. We need to defend this industry. We need to stand up. I did not know that. And so that that's it in a nail, that if you get a platform somewhere where you can get some basic fact and jout, then you can do an awful amount of good. But I, I think even uh, um, those that were within the ag sector did not understand the facts around what was actually going on in that case. Mm. You may, that's a that's a great point. That is, yeah, it's, it's it's even within the ag sector that we have to have that ability to spread the knowledge of what actually is happening, and that's where the work that livestock collective are doing is is pretty crucial. And 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 people like you, yourself and myself, uh, Andy, that are livestock leaders, trying to spread the message. Um, oh, so so guys, just a quick one there. Yeah, you you guys are both livestock leaders. You know, you've been social media trained and whatnot. And I'm just a I'm just a I'm just a normal, I'm just a, a plebeian. Uh, what, what's the advice when you're on Twitter, when you've got some numpty, you know, talking to you about something, telling you that you know, you're a scum of the F, you know, blah, blah, blah. What should you do? I think, um, I think you should be engaging with them if you can. Some, some, some you've got to recognise first up, is it worthwhile engaging or not? And some it's just not going to be worthwhile to engage because you're never going to make any traction with them but if, if you think there's an angle to be able to engage and you think you might be able to have a proper discourse um, then I think you've got to treat them respectfully so calling them a numpty probably wouldn't help um, but I think it's then you know like what we've been talking about is is demonstrate bringing the data and the facts to the to the to the table and demonstrating um, you know what actually is happening and, and what Australia as a, as an industry does internationally in terms of assisting the broader animal welfare aspects and, and live exports part of that whole process, exporting good practice as well as exporting the animals. Um, and, and then it goes all the way back to the local, like, you know, stuff that Andy might be doing now where he's, um, where he's transporting you know, farmer's stock from, from where it's going to the sale yard or to the abattoir or whatever. It, 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 you know, I think you've got to be able to demonstrate all through the supply chain, the things that are being done to ensure that animal welfare is at the top of the agenda. So, and just just jumping in at that point there, find some common interest with him, if or him or her, whoever it may be. If you've got a, if if you're in a debate with someone, and they're being respectful, you're having a chat. Try and find some shared values, and and if you can do that, you start build rapport, and then you've got half a chance of of being able to then deliver some other fact information that you have about your particular sector. Um, don't talk about something you don't know about. And and then you, you if if you're not going to have success at that point, then uh, you you probably best giving them a bit of a wide berth. Oh, that's a bit that's a bit scary. Don't don't talk about what you don't know about. Then that's my career gone. <laughs> well, exactly, exactly right. <laughs> but, now, but, um, but 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 I think I think yeah, the nail on the head there. But I think that the I'm just gonna I'm not trained, so I might be talking complete nonsense. I haven't done any sort of leadership courses, so use of the experts. Uh, but but I think another piece of advice is is very quickly work out you know whether that person is even worthwhile talking to, because I've, I've like I think you you partially mentioned it Matt but I quite often see people going back and forth with people in agriculture who have put their own name out there their own picture they're a real real human being 
uh, but then they're spending you know an hour going back and forth with somebody who's rzx five six seven eight nine ten is their twitter handle they've got no picture no identifiable then identifications of who they actually are and it's just thing as soon as you realize that they're anonymous there's just no point like there is no common ground and there never will be so no they're so just they're just there to get a rise out of you so and, 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 and that's something move on that's it and something speaking of getting a rise out of someone andy um i, I we, we can see the time ticking down like andrew says we're too tight to um to pay for the premium version but um we're nearly done anyway i wanted to just cover off on another aspect of, of general truck driving loss um yeah you're very eloquent andy um what, why are you a truck driver <laughs> i need i need therapist to try and answer that one um uh, i man I've, I've done a bunch of things in my life i've been very lucky to to um be quite rich in experience <laughs> not not financially but um so do what yep. you love and and i i had this passion as a livestock <laughs> had this passion as a livestock carrier at the age of four and um and after a whole whole bunch of things uh about, about eight years ago i said you know what if if i um if this is i had a few a few things that hadn't quite been the plan and and well we'll go to plan a or f or g or whatever it was at that stage i'm going to go and do what i love doing i actually do enjoy it the welfare side of it i I get a kick out of out of every time you unload. Um, every animal walks off and in the same condition and just as content and happy as as they walked on. I still get a buzz out of that. The the animal welfare um side of it is is really important, and that's sort of part of if I can't cut animals, I don't want to cut anything. That's a a good answer, Andy. Look, I was I was shit stirring you a little bit because I remember the when we we're at the livestock leaders course, the we and we had to write down. <laughs> A question, a question that we would not be able to answer or we were scared to answer or something along those lines would be our most fearful question. And, and that was a question you put down, um, someone asking you why you're a truck driver. <laughs> so there was a little bit of a what, setup what, there. What mate. was your question? Uh, or what was my one? I think mine was, was um, any, any question where I didn't have the data to, to, back, to back up an answer was my <laughs> most feared question. Um, but, um, but Andy, you, um, you, you, you fielded that one exceptionally well. And uh, I, think, uh, I think, as the listeners can probably tell you, you're uh, incredibly good to have on. And, um, and your knowledge you bring uh, you know, across, across the sector is fantastic. So um, it's, it's, fa it's good to have someone like yourself um, you know, speaking up on behalf of the, the industry more broadly. Um, so look, I appreciate you coming on. I think Andrew, we're, we're nearly out of time. So you happy to do the wind up and we'll hit the music, mate. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks Andy. Thanks for coming on again. And, uh, and yeah, it's, it's, look, it's just a, from, from my point of view, it's just a privilege to be <laughs> not physically in the same room. Thank God. Uh, but uh, virtually with with two livestock leaders because you know it's it's a bit like it's a bit like a, a you know last night's lunar um, lunar eclipse it's something that happens very rarely so so fantastic that we could get you know two leaders of the industry you know uh, but now that I've bummed you up enough uh, if you enjoyed this podcast share it with your friends and family um, if you're a truck driver it's a fantastic opportunity to. Uh, you know, have something to listen to with engaging and engrossing conversations, uh, more gross than engaging sometimes. Uh, and yeah, leave a review, leave a like and share it on your social media platforms. So thanks. Thanks again. See you when you got nothing on. Ciao for now. <laughs>